It's alive! It's the feed on NR92. Just do it! Welcome to the feed. I'm Evan. And I'm Tessa. Today we will be talking about our first time. And we know what you're thinking, but this isn't that type of first time, is it, Tessa? No, you gotta get your mind out of the gutter, Evan. We're gonna be talking about the first time we played video games, first music festivals, first time in a mosh pit. First time reading Harry Potter, first time listening to metal music, first time doing Key John, first time doing stand-up. Because there's other first times that are important, right, guys? That's right. And now we welcome... Amber to the studio. Amber Palmer, what's good in the world of gaming? Uh, A lot is good, my dudes. The industry is booming, and new games are coming out every day. But I'm going to tell you about the very first time I ever played a video game. All my life, I've been told one of two things. That when I get older, my priorities will change, and things I loved as a child and a teenager will be stupid and useless when I'm in my 20s and 30s. That, and I should focus on getting married and having kids. Now, starting a family is something I don't want to think about right now. I constantly think about the first point. When I was younger, around eight, my uncle bought an original Xbox, and it came with a copy of Halo. Halo was the first game I ever played, and it brought something out of eight-year-old me I had no idea was there. In the span of an hour, I went from a tiny child to a soldier in the war against the Covenant, fighting aliens, driving tanks, and falling in love with an artificial intelligence named Cortana was all I cared about. From that day on, my name was no longer Amber. It was Master Chief. It was around this time that my brother Kyle discovered video games. Hi, I'm Kyle. Kyle wasn't old enough to experience the glory that was Halo, and honestly, neither was I. So our mom bought us a Nintendo 64, and we played the hell out of that. It was mine and yours immediate attraction to, like, grab the controller, grab a cartridge, blowing it, even though it says, don't blow, put it in, turn on, and we just hear that. It's me, Mario. And we made it. My brother and I bonded hard over Mario, and eventually, my parents let my brother play Halo with me. We grew incredibly close and even finished the game together. I remember I remember when we beat Halo 3 in like a day. Oh, <laughs> my heart, I was so excited. You put so much time and dedication into a game. With certain games, it's going to take so many hours to beat, and then once it's done, you're like, oh my god. <laughs> I've done it! Honestly, a game can be someone's cure to something. Maybe anxiety, depression, who knows? I play video games to get away from the world, to become someone else for a couple hours. Or, or like, or like four. Yeah, or like four hours, Kyle, thank you. There is a thriving, sometimes loving community within video games, and thanks to my parents and my uncle, Kyle and I get to be a part of it. Without video games, I don't think I'd be who I am today. I know that's super corny, but it's super true. Video games are rad, my dudes. Well, thank you very much, Amber. I, I'd say that leveled up our friendship. Oh, my. That, that pun sucked. You are the worst. Wow. You seem angry, Tessa. I think you need to find a way to vent, maybe with some music. Yes, well, by the sounds of it, Kayla is going to help me out with just that. Hi, guys. I'm here to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and it's the love of my life besides my boyfriend. What is that? Metal. Believe it or not, I wasn't always the crazy metal lover I am today. At one time, I was a pop princess. 
straight up. Until the day my brother kind of opened my eyes to new genres, and he actually started putting stuff on my iPod. It was something by Avenged Sevenfold. I don't remember. It might have been Burn It Down or something to that effect. It was some of their older stuff, but it was definitely from them, I think. One of the first ones I remember actually was Statutory 8 by the Black Dahlia Murder. Yep, that's, that would also be one of them. In this interview, I asked Justin what he liked about metal, and his answer was exactly like mine. It definitely is more real than other music, and it, it also does cover a broad range of topics, despite what people think, so I think that it's more all-encompassing that... Uh, than people realize, and it has a lot to offer everyone, I think, just depending on what style you want to listen to. Metal gives power as well. It's very empowering, and through that you can find your own strength. Metal gave me a voice, and it gave me a means to express my voice. In that instant, I realized this music could breathe life into all the things that I wish I could actually vocalize. Once I heard that song, I knew metal was for me, and from then, I've never looked back. So I asked my brother, what are some good suggestions for people who are trying to get into metal? I would love people to get into this genre. Anything that would be more, I don't go with the word mainstream, I guess, but something that's a little bit more core-esque, so maybe All That Remains or something similar to that effect. Something that has a little bit more clean vocals in it. But, and, and then I would start with some old metal too. Probably something from the big four. And then just to, just to give them a kind of a, a mix of everything. But I feel like if you start with clean vocals first, the heavier stuff may they may take a liking to later. I went from hard rock, pop, and now metal. I guess that's my origin story. So yeah, that's my spiel. Thank you guys for having me. I'm going to air guitar my way out of here now. Fantastic. I feel like all of my frustrations have been released. Thank you, Kayla. Tessa, there has to be a way to relax after that. What do you mean, Evan? I just mean there has to be a way to like mellow out and feel more zen. <sighs> Juliet's in the studio to explain how we can do that. I love Qigong. I came to Qigong because my right hip was hurting so much that I was dragging my right foot behind me when I walked. And somebody said, why don't you try Qigong? And I did, and I healed my right foot. My first experience with Qigong made me feel relaxed and energized at the same time. That was new for me. I was used to either being jacked up or asleep. I asked Sylvie Eustros, a Qigong teacher in Calgary, what brought her to Qigong? When I started practicing Qigong, it was because I had an incurable illness. It was very painful to go on and I had no choice but to try anything that uh, was passing in front of me. Uh, so when someone says, okay, why don't you try Qigong? And I finally read the book and I understood what it was about. A magic happened. I cured myself just in a few days. And what happened in me was really to be conscious that what I have inside my body, the energy that's running inside me, it's exactly the same as everything that is around me, everything in the sky, in the galaxy. I am made of the same material, yet I have to take it. And to take it in, I have to believe in life. I have to develop trust in myself and to breathe very much more deeply than what I used to do. 
I also asked Kelly Snyder, who is part of a Qigong center in Seattle. So for me, Qigong has really meant a way of getting to know myself. So for example, I kind of kept my physical health in one area, emotions in another. Um, and with Qigong, it's a way for me to combine all of those and really connect all of them. Qigong is a series of gentle movements that can eliminate blocks in the body by integrating body, mind, and soul. I've taught Qigong for the past 10 years. In Edmonton, I only teach during the summertime because I'm a student during the rest of the time. See, Tessa? Relaxing. Things to calm you down. Evan, I wouldn't need to relax if you hadn't said your terrible pun earlier. (sighs) Tessa, do you you think you might feel better if we talked about your one true love and the first time with him? Honestly? Yeah, I think it might. Evan, uh, you're about to learn a whole lot more about me. One of the biggest cultural phenomenons on the planet was first published on June 26, 1997. Within a year, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone went from its modest release in the UK to a worldwide platform, altering the minds and hearts of youngins across the planet. I was one of those youngins. The first Harry Potter novel was released in Canada September 1, 1998. My grandparents always got us a Christmas Eve gift, and it was always pajamas and a book. Christmas 1998 rolls around, and in classic Grammy and Grandad fashion, I ripped open my Christmas Eve package to find a very pink set of jammies wrapped around none other than Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And thus, the obsession was born. I guess the fandom sort of ran in my family. My oldest cousin, Quinn, got into it too. The first four were out when I first really got into it, and I read those over and over again, like probably five or six times at least before the fifth book came out. Conservative estimate, I've probably read the entire series probably close to ten times. Now, bear in mind, I was five. You can't expect a five-year-old to look at the word philosopher or Wingardium Leviosa and be able to pronounce it. Luckily, I was blessed with very loving parents. See, while all my friends were having stupid children's picture books read to them at bedtime, my mom would read me Harry Potter. Chapter 1. The Boy Who Lived. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley. I've always been a night owl, and I think she was hoping that her reading would make me fall asleep faster, but alas, it didn't. I remember fantasizing about how cool it would be if some giant broke into my home to tell me I was a young witch. You're a wizard, Harry. Less than a year later, Chamber of Secrets was released, with Prisoner of Azkaban following, and then Goblet of Fire. My mom continued to read them to me until that one. Then, Warner Pictures hit us with big news. Harry Potter was getting a film release. Like, I remember seeing the first trailer and then just seeing that scene in the castle and, like, where they're coming across on the boats. And, like, I just thought it was so cool and it didn't look like how I'd imagined it, but I really, like, I liked the look of it and I was so excited. And, you know, we were at that movie on the very first day, like, waiting in lineups forever. Some of the casting I thought was really spot on. Like, I thought Emma Watson, like, was Hermione to me. Like, that's how she looked in my head. Here's a fun fact about Tessa. I had bad teeth as a kid. Orthodontist visits were a monthly requirement for me and my small town didn't have one, so we would make trips to the city. Remember when I said I have very loving parents? They would schedule my orthodontist appointments around Harry Potter release dates. Lucky little eight-year-old Tessa went to the opening days of all the movies, dressed to the nines in Hogwarts robes, wand in one hand, popcorn in the other. My parents did this for me for ten years. I dressed up as Hermione for Halloween three times and Luna Lovegood twice. I marathoned the movies with every new friend I made. I even dedicated three whole bookcases to all of the memorabilia I've collected over the years. The love fans have 
have for Harry Potter is inexplicable. I was at a very awkward stage, right? Like junior high, and I was kind of in a first year at a new school, and I hadn't really made a lot of friends, and I was just very nerdy and angsty and had a really hard time kind of fitting in. And those books were kind of my happy place. Wow, that's a, that's a lot, Tessa. Well, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you were only five. Good grief, Evan. Look, Harry Potter sparks a light inside of me. You've literally seen me tear up just at the thought of it. Tessa, I think you need to pull yourself together. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Let's go. We'll go pay some bills. You don't need to eat like a goat to get some fresh grub. (laughs) When you eat at Fresh Express, you're treating yourself to unique creations made by students, ready to massage your taste buds into paradise. Not only are you getting a delicious meal, but you're helping Nate's culinary students accomplish their goals. But let's face it, you're the real winner here. New specials are available every single day. They serve international dishes such as noodle and pierogi bowls and hot entrees tempting you from the grill. There's even a separate sandwich and wrap station. You can't go wrong with Eat at Nate and Fresh Express. We are gathered here today to unite this student and Nate. Stop! Um, I'm in the middle of something. What's with the text? Well, Nate says it wants to get engaged, so I'm taking the plunge. No, no, no. Nate wants you to engage with them on social media. What? Stay up to date and get your voice heard. Connect using hashtag Nate on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Vine, Pinterest, and YouTube. Thank goodness. I'm not ready for a commitment. Engage at Nate, but you don't have to put a ring on it. NR92! Live! 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 Like, you just want me to say live? <laughs> live from the South Lobby! Hey guys, I'm Trey Jordan, and I'm live here at, at in the South Lobby. And uh, I just want to tell you something about Shop at Nate. Like, I walk around and I see all these people, you know, with coffees. The smell is its giving me a hankering for some caffeine. And luckily, Shop at Nate has all your drinkware needs. They've got awesome travel mugs. They've even just got, you know, coffee mugs for you to hold your coffee in. But the thing about the travel mugs is they're $35, and they don't just hold coffee. They hold soup, too. Now, that sounds weird, but hey, why not? Now, if you're craving something super cold and and you, you need to stay hydrated, well, they also have reusable water bottles, so not only can you get that H2O, but you could also be an ultimate eco-warrior. Uh, be it, And then, once again, this is Trey Jordan, live in the South Lobby, right around the corner from the Common Market. NR92 presents the Spotify Showcase. Spotify playlist every week from NR92 to you. All my friends are eating steak, it's And now back to the feed on NR92. We are back. Tessa, you good? Yeah, I just, I, I cry thinking about magic is all. Well, speaking of crying, NR92 welcomes Jenna Winterburn to the microphone to make us tear up laughing. Jenna, make me laugh! Hey guys, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Secondly, for someone who does stand-up comedy, I'm actually really not that funny. You're, pretty, you're wearing a funny shirt today. I am wearing a funny shirt today, just for this, just for this occasion. Okay, well thanks for wearing your funny shirt today. 
It's only clap if you mean it. I'll tell you what I sound like. Ladies, I don't like it when you take my underwear off. I'm grown. I can do it myself. One drunk girl I can handle. I can't handle more than one. Girls get drunk when they're together. It's way worse. They're like Voltron. Their powers are much stronger when combined. And you know what babies love? Um, uh, ethnic jokes. Laughter is the best medicine. And on June 23rd, 2015, I decided to get up on a stage in front of a bunch of people and try to make them laugh. <laughs> so if you don't know me, I'm Jenna. Okay, so look, I'm a newbie at this. Please forgive me. So, like, my phone has a script on it. Look, I don't have it in my hand all the time anyway. I wish I had a better idea of when my love of stand-up comedy started. But honestly, I have no idea. All I knew and all I know is that I like to make people laugh. My mom has an idea, though. You were just a really quiet kid. Very thoughtful. Very observant. And you would just keep to yourself. You'd go down to your bedroom when the rest of us were up in the kitchen. And But when you did join us, you were funny. You were always funny. You made me laugh from the time you were a tiny little girl. You could always make me laugh. I just figured you being so quiet all the time was your way of figuring out how you were going to make it in this crazy world. My first time on stage was the most emotional I think I've ever been. I was so excited. I was so scared. It was a million different feelings all at once. I think it was easier at the beginning because everyone is excited for you. You have a lot of friends coming out to shows, whereas now when I'm doing two or three shows a week, not everyone's coming out all the time. I don't think I ever expected comedy to change my life the way it has. It's given me new friendships. It's given me confidence in myself that I didn't know I was capable of having. I'm still scared every single time I get up on stage. But the adrenaline rush that you feel, the feeling of accomplishment, the feeling of having a talent, something that you're good at, it's the reason I keep getting up on stage. Stand-up comedy is something that I love. I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me. That's my uh, my little tidbit. Stand-up comedy is something that I really enjoy doing. You can catch me every Tuesday at Old Town Comedy. I'm running a show there. Uh, the show starts at 9 o'clock. It's a free show. It's a really good time. Old Town Pub, come on down. We have a really great guest coming in all the time making you laugh. Perfect. Sounds like a great time. Well, Jenna, you your first time certainly tickled our funny bones. <laughs> Gosh, Evan. Uh, hey, we keep going through all of these other people's first times. Yeah. And? And honestly, you learned a lot about my first time. Okay. So, I think it's only fair for me to get to hear about your first time. Uh, oh, gosh. Fine, I, get, I guess you can hear about my first time. I've been a punk fan for as long as I can remember. Nor was I ever afraid of going all in. Naturally, this led to a yearning to hop in a mosh pit for the majority of my youth. Sure, I spent a lot of time jumping around with other hyperactive 14-year-olds while attending youth group, but I wanted to experience the mosh for real in its purest form. And on Thursday, February 12th, 2014, I got to for the first time. My best friend Drayton and I showed up to the Starlight Room to experience our first metal show, headlined by August Burns Red. I called up Drayton and asked him what he remembered feeling before we walked through those doors. Uh, I would say very excited and also slightly overwhelmed by the fact I didn't know what I was going into. It was a lineup of five bands total, and each one brought a new level of intensity. It just kept getting ramped up. 
And I distinctly remember, by the time the first band hit their second song, I began watching one of the most chaotic groups of people I had ever seen. It wasn't until the second band came on and I had worked up the nerve to hop in and experience what I had considered to be a rite of passage since I was 13. And as soon as I stepped into that circle of people pushing, shoving, and swinging around, I immediately asked myself two questions. What have I gotten myself into, and why haven't I done this sooner? There was some point in the mosh that I got dropped, and there was like four dudes that instantly had me like up and at it again that like literally threw me back in the mosh pit. So hectic and dangerous, but also surprisingly safe. I never considered myself an adrenaline junkie, but getting bounced around like the 16-year-old toothpick I was got me completely addicted to this kind of environment and sprung further firsts of a similar nature. I experienced my first wall of death while watching Rise Against at Sonic Boom that summer. For those of you that don't know what a wall of death is, here is dictionary voice Amber to explain. Perhaps the most gnarly and dangerous ritual you can experience in a mosh pit is the infamous Wall of Death. It's a true reenactment of war as two sides split down the middle, charge towards each other with the hopes of survival. Yes, it's as stupid and as fun as it sounds. On top of that, I did my first stage dive this past fall while at the Comeback Kids show. My stage dive career came to a bitter end a week and a day later at an Every Time I Die show where, for the first time, I got dropped and fell around five feet straight onto my head. I'm still surprised I didn't get a concussion. Almost every time I go to one of these shows, my mom asks me, when will you learn? And with that in mind, I will tell you one thing that I have learned from this all. It's that whatever hurts when you go to bed that night is never the same as what hurts in the morning. Evan, that was mystical. Was it, though? Yes, look at us, we're bonding over our first times. Okay, 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 you don't need to word it like that. You know who else is into live music? Hmm, NR92, Seth Hennig. You are correct, and look here. He's literally standing next to us in the studio. Hi, guys. Hello. So, if you guys were to take a look at me, you could probably make a few assumptions. That I like pizza, for example. But you probably would not call me a hippie. Which is why some people find it surprising when I tell them about one of the most memorable and amazing experiences of my life. My first music festival. In 2014, my friends and I decided to take a little road trip to the great state of Washington. Our destination was the Gorge, one of the most beautiful, natural amphitheaters on earth. Each year, the Gorge hosts one of North America's greatest music festivals. The lineup that year was incredible, but that's not the reason it's my favorite memory. What makes a festival special is the people that you meet. That year at Sasquatch, I met Corey Myris, a musician from BC who goes by the stage name Windmills. We quickly became good friends. Corey helped me sum up the feeling that you get at a festival like Sasquatch. I think the best comparison I could make would be like for a diehard sports fan to travel to like their favorite team's stadium or arena. Because you're surrounded by like 30,000 people in the case of Sasquatch and they're all there for the same reason. They're all there to have this musical experience. They've all got favorite bands. They're all there kind of escaping the day-to-day mundane, the nine-to-five jobs, what have you. And it's like for some, like that weekend where they're at that festival, like that's the time where they can be 
100% like unequivocally themselves. So I think tapping into that, it's like, that's why you meet these people who just kind of do the festival circuit all season. Cause it's really, it's almost indescribable. Like it's this euphoric feeling that you get when you're there. Cause you know, you're surrounded by all these people who are sharing the same feelings. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It can be intimidating. Making plans to take a 14 hour road trip to the States, all to see some bands, but it's worth it. And what advice can you give someone who hasn't been to a music festival before but is thinking about it? I think the biggest thing, like anything, is to just, I mean, just go for it. Get that ticket and kind of figure out the rest later. I mean, obviously, I won't pull a dad move and be like, well, bring lots of water and stay hydrated. Make sure you stay out of the sun, Um, like all good dads and parents. But I think find those people that are around you like you're your tribe or your clan that like music and just make that pilgrimage i mean as cliche as it is i think you just you gotta go for it i've done some pretty awesome things in my life but nothing has been more rewarding for me than creating genuine human connections that's what you'll find at a music festival sure you can see outcast and the national perform in front of a canyon with the sun setting behind them and that's great but it's not what i miss It's the atmosphere and the energy. It's people at our best. It's really something I think everyone needs to experience at least once. Even if you're a little bit more conservative and you don't think it's for you, you may be surprised. Well, Seth, that sounded like quite the experience you had there. Especially the part about the aliens. There wasn't any aliens in that story. That's what the aliens want you to think, Tessa. Oh my goodness, do I need to whip out the metal music and Qigong again to calm down? Tessa, this is comedy gold. Oy vey. Well, that's it for this edition of The Feed. If you want to listen to your favorite part again, you can listen on the NR92 SoundCloud or on the Sunday rebroadcast. I have been Tessa. I have been Evan. Thanks for listening, and have a great afternoon. Thank you for listening to The Feed. Miss something? Catch the rebroadcast Sunday nights at 7 or find us at nr92.com.